Welcome to Turning Purple, where we take an in-depth look at life as an independent artist. The good, the bad, and the kiki carry of it all. Do you love, love, love Turning Purple? Do you love it so much? Can you not get enough of the dulcet tones of our sensuous voices? Well, I've got amazing news for you fantastic news y'all you can get even more on our after show after hours after hours now available at patreon.com slash turning purple an extra hour every week every week of the kiki and the carry of it all darling so subscribe to our patreon and you get not only do you get after hours, but you also get access to our entire catalogs of musica. Music. That's right. You can get all of our tracks and an HQ, ex- darling. HQ. And an extra hour, an extra episode every single week for the low, low price of $10 a month. That's not a lot. It's not that much. It's really not that much. So support us on patreon.com slash Turning purple. Turning purple. Turning purple. Season two. Season two. Welcome to. Welcome to season two. Season two of Turning Purple. Turning purple because I can't fucking breathe. Girl. Because I can't fucking breathe, Adam Joseph. That's, That's why, why I'm turning, turning purple. purple. I was always wondering. Because I can't so fucking breathe. Why so why purple? I'm turning purple. Jeez. We're in the shit, girl. Yes, we are. We're in the shit. <laughs> in the thick of That's it. All, That's all there is to it. We're just in the shit now. Yeah. So... I don't even know. I'm feeling very emotional. I'm I get so very, emotional, baby. I get so emotional, baby. I mean, especially right now, I'm feeling very emotional. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling I'm feeling sad. very attacked. I'm feeling very attacked right now. Oh, uh, I'm feeling all of the feelings like all at once. It's bringing up this whole, everything that's going on in the world right now is just... And this, the combination of everything is just so overwhelming. It ain't good. I'm overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. So I'm just going to let so. everybody know that right off the bat. <laughs> I'm fucking overwhelmed. And I'm going to do my best to try not to get hysterical, but I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> She's so, not making any guarantees, I'm folks. not making any guarantees. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. June 3rd. June 3rd, And yes. we didn't record season two yesterday. We didn't record season two yesterday because there we, was that thing going around. Well, I guess we could have recorded. We could have recorded, but we, but we didn't. But we didn't um, because we're, we, we like to combine... 
our turning purple recording days with our live stream, the leaving room, the days. leaving room days. So we can just knock it all out in one day. Mm-hmm. And so um, yesterday was the call for um, the show must be paused by the, the music paused. industry, and you were not um, not supposed to not release supposed to release or entertainment any type of entertainment yesterday. But it turned into something completely else that felt real smelled of real bullshit. So yeah. I don't even know. Like even that, this is so fucking confusing. I'm confused. Well, even about that, I'm confused because that like it felt initially media, like it was something yeah. that was positive, and then by midday, I was like, "This smells like bullshit." Well, so have you ever I played telephone, Erica? <laughs> it's very easy for <sighs> messages to get all messed up very quickly. <sighs> Um, and yeah, somehow it turned into Blackout Tuesday. Don't post on social media. Don't post media. anything. Like, um, the only reason that anybody knows anything that's happening in the world right now is because of social media. Like, don't stop posting. I mean, I thought that for a minute and then I was like, this is bullshit. So I started posting again. Yeah. I don't fucking know, man. It's really complicated and I don't know what the answer is. But, you don't have all the answers, Erica? I don't have all the answers. <laughs> wow. I'm so I know that's crazy. It's that's first I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think that I know a lot. Um yeah, it got but all right messed now, up and I feel like I don't know a whole lot. Now, bunch. you know, now is the time to speak out using your social media, using your voice, using your whatever you can. Even if you're feeling conflicted, because let me tell you. I'm feeling very conflicted. I'm feeling conflicted about putting this face on today. It feels trivial. It feels frivolous, but it's what I do. So it's who you are. It's who I am. And this is like, oh my god, I'm gonna start to fucking cry already. It's who I am. Where's the Kleenex? Who I'm, I should have got some Kleenex because this <laughs> shit is gonna it's gonna happen. It's who I am, and it's what I can do right now. So yeah, uh, I feel conflicted. Um, it feels trivial. We're gonna push through. I mean, we're doing we're, gonna, we're, we're doing a podcast. I know, we're talking about it. I think that's good. I, I know exactly what it is. You don't gotta convince me, but like I'm feeling a lot of but still. still. But still. But still. Um and you know, it's just a combination of like this whole journey that we've been taking, right? And uh specifically it's a crucible just because of the pandemic and of the like not being able to leave the house. Yeah. You know, all that shit. And I felt like I've been on the accelerated track to self-discovery. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been really, uh, things have just been coming up uh, on, at a really rapid pace. And this whole, you know, this whole race riot, America burning thing is really pushing me to the next level. And it's bringing up a lot of things that I have suppressed um, and a lot of things that I haven't thought about in a long time, just have maybe forgotten. Mm-hmm. But a lot of things that I wanted to forget because it had to do with my father and I had a very complicated relationship with my father and a lot of things to do with him, yeah. I've actively tried to, to not remember yeah. I mean, for a lot of years. There's so much going on in this, <laughs> and there's so much, there's so much wrong with this country that yeah, if veil. you just think about all the things that are unjust and wrong with it all the time, 
everybody would be going crazy, you know, like you have, you have to kind of just block some of it out and repress it because otherwise, you know, it's true. You have to, I mean, existence, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's pertinent. Like, you know, the way that we're socialized as human beings, I mean, you're taught to like empathy isn't something necessarily that exists in equal quantities in anyone but people and everyone but everyone has it but in order to exist within a society it's basically about tempering your empathy you're taught to right. measure your empathy you're right. taught what you know when it's appropriate you're taught and you have to in order if you didn't then you wouldn't be able to exist Yes. In this society. True. And whether that, you know, the society should fucking change or we should change the way that we socialize people, that's a whole nother fucking conversation. But it is pertinent. But yeah, a lot of shit's been coming up and um, I don't know. Let's get into it. Get into it. Let's get into it, girl. Let's get into it. Get into it. I have, I'm biracial. I'm of mixed race. Uh-huh. And I mean, I have never really seen myself as white passing. I'm going to be real, like others do see me as white passing and I've been told that my entire life, but I've never seen this face on a white person. I think I don't think that my features, I don't I don't think that when I look in the mirror, I can't see that. I can't see the white passing. Like I said, like I just said, I've never seen this face, like this structure. Like to me, when I look in the mirror, the like my bone structure, like my feature placement, um, and you know, and on my face tells the story of like my ethnicity to me. And I find that um specifically, most specifically, other biracial people can definitely tell what I am and Maybe not specifically the mix, mm-hmm. but they can tell that I'm biracial. Mm-hmm. And also, believe it or not, most people that are my exact same mix can tell. And I can usually tell when, mm-hmm. when I see someone that is my exact same mix. Mm-hmm. My mother was Dutch, uh, English-Irish, and my father was Native American and black. And... I've been racking my brain trying to remember what else is in there. I, there will, I was told, I believe, he, my dad used to talk about his grandfather, his great-grandfather, no, his grandfather, whose name was Redding. And I saw a picture, a really old picture, <laughs> um, in a big handlebar mustache. Um, and he was very light, skinned, but not white. So I don't know what the other mix was. I don't know if it was straight up white. I, f- I feel like I remember him saying something about something Spanish, mm-hmm. but I'm not particularly sure. But my father was part Cherokee. Um, and I saw pictures of his mother. Um, and she had braids and everything. She was, she was Native American. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I am. And that's, like where I started as far as, and I grew up in a mixed race family. My father was married to a white woman and had a whole family with her. I was not like the, his wife was not my mother, but my father did have an affair with another white woman and produced me. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, the, and the fan, I grew up with my father's family. So for the most part. Um, so I was surrounded by mixed race people. So for the longest, for most of like my young, young life, uh, because of the eclectic nature of my, you know, upbringing, I didn't, race wasn't, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't see it. It didn't, uh, I saw lots of different people. I was surrounded by lots of different races. And even the, the school that I went to was for my, you know, from first through third grade, it was a small school and it was right outside of the air force base. Um, and so there were lots of different cultures there. It was like pretty much the, the school that was on the base had closed. So everybody that was, had living on the base and moved off the base, usually their kids were going to this school. So there were Asian kids of all different varieties. There were, you know, there was another Jewish girl I remember and her mother came to school and taught everybody about the menorah and all that stuff. And, and there were a few other, there were some older black girls I remember um, named, they, were, they were twins named Star and Diamond and they went to my school and they were dark skinned and they had Venus and Serena braids with the beads on the ends. So there, I mean, there was all, I was surrounded by that, even though I was raised in New Hampshire, which was a predominantly white place. Yes. Very, very white, very, very, very white. Very white. I was raised in a bubble, like two bubbles, the bubble of my family, which was mixed raced and this bubble of this, uh, international, military school right so up until third grade it was race just wasn't a thing like i wasn't i wasn't aware Mm -hmm. and then i remember in third grade um roots came on television Mm. and my father made me watch it the entire thing and i mean i don't know if any of y'all have seen roots or red roots but it's uh pretty brutal and my father wanted me to watch it so i watched it with him and it was i was very affected by it um i didn't really have a context within the the world because i didn't see any of those things like the racism that they were encountered you know it just didn't feel Mm. because my life wasn't that I didn't see it every day. I didn't have, con- like, I had this knowledge, right? But I didn't really have the con- the, con- the real world context to, to apply it to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that year, that same year, he, I was, he wanted me to watch, I watched with him Roots pretty much in its, its an entirety, in its entirety. And uh, A Woman Called Moses, which is, the story of Harriet Tubman starring Cicely Tyson, which is great. I haven't seen either of these movies since I was a child, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen from that. what I from what I remember, they're both pretty brutal. Yeah, um, this was kind of in a time the like the a woman called Moses came out around the same time I think as Roots, and there was a thing going on with in the seventies that was very much you know, wanting to tell black stories like for real. And mm-hmm. Roots was a huge part of that because with the success of the book and the success of the miniseries. So I saw those things when I was very young. And I had 
this knowledge, but like I said, nothing to really apply it with. And then the school that I was going to shut down and I was bused into other sc- into another school with that served the larger, you know, community, a larger part of the community. And uh, I was with other children more. Like there were more children of more different races. And this was before, and I have to say, like fourth grade was the first time that I felt slurred. Like I felt off. I felt like I knew more about what was happening than other people. Does that make sense? I'm going to try to explain. The, I, I was given a nickname because, it was, and it was, you know, it was not a kind one. And uh, the kids that gave it to me were white. And I don't think that they knew what they were doing, but it felt, it was the first time that I felt something was off. And I couldn't really name it, but I think it was because of the, the knowledge that I had um, that it felt this way. Um, and the nickname was Afro Dog because I had a giant Afro because my father raised the rest of his children in the 70s mm-hmm. and they all had huge Afros. And this was like, he never really made it out of the 70s. Like the 80s came around and he didn't, he, I mean, he was old. My father was, when I was born, was almost 60. Mm. So he was another generation uh and completely de- like separate from black culture, what was going on in black culture at that time. So I was raised, you know, I had a big afro and he picked it out every morning and I hated it. I was super embarrassed by it. But hmm. the other, it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a slur. I don't think that they knew what they were doing, but to me, I knew that it felt like a slur because- Were these your friends or were these I kids? didn't have any friends. These were kids at school. Um these were like classmates, but, but it wasn't like a, it was like a, they would go, dun, 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 it's Afro dog. Hmm. And it was like, it was extremely hurtful, but it was, that was the first time that I can remember. I haven't thought about this in a long time. It's making me very emotional. It was the first time that I can remember feeling slurred, like feeling that something, there was some, there was a racial component I didn't have the words I didn't to express what I was feeling. I didn't really even have the context to express what I was feeling. But it was the time that that I, it was the first time that I realized that I knew more about the world than all these other people did because of what I had seen. And I remember do you remember Rolling Thunder Hear My Cry? The book? No. It's a book uh oh god what is it? Is it I can't remember if it's during slave slavery times or if they're sharecroppers. I feel like there might be sharecroppers, so it might be like right after slavery. But it's a black story, and there's a little girl. I can't remember. I, w- I should have looked it up, but I didn't. But it's called Rolling Thunder, Hear My Cry. And it was a fi- I remember seeing the film strip and knowing that this was something serious, right? Knowing that this was serious, this was a serious time, and this was a sad thing, and being really hurt that, you know, kids were just being kids, right? right? Kids are being kids and not paying attention and like laughing, having side conversations and like all this stuff. But I remember watching the film strip of like Rolling Thunder, Hear My Cry and being really angry that other people weren't paying attention, that other people weren't taking it seriously. Oh, this is going to be difficult. I'm trying to get through it. (laughs) I'm trying to get through it. 
But that was the first time, like, so that grade, right, was probably the first, that, that occurrence was the first time that I ever felt something that was off, that I felt slurred. Um, but I think the worst, the hardest experience, the most painful experience of being biracial came when I got to middle school, which was when all of the schools, all of the elementary schools, of, of when you're, you know, went to this one place. So it was huge. And all of the kids from all different, all different walks of life and all parts of the town ended up in the same place together. Uh, kids that I had never met before, um, mm-hmm. kids that I had never seen, and you're all, you know, of that age, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And this was the first time that I had any close interactions with any with black students. Um, and this was, you know, the 90s. And popular black culture was in full swing. You know, mm. cross colors, big baggy pants, everything's back, like backwards wearing yeah. shit, high top fades. The I really, way that I dressed. Yes. <laughs> I really wanted, I really wanted a high top fade. Really wanted a high top fade because I still had this afro that my dad. How out. militant was your father that he wouldn't let you even cut your hair the way you wanted it? That's just like crazy to me, girl. That's not even the half of it. I mean, <clears throat> my father was a drill sergeant in the military, yeah, and I was raised in that in that fashion. Um, it was his way or the highway. He was a scary person, but that's like that's another that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> um. What was I just saying? Going to meeting, meeting black, kids black kids for the first for time. For the first time. I was so far outside. I was not, my father did not approve of popular black culture. Um, he saw it as minstrelsy. He mm. saw it as black people showing the worst possible face to white America. That's how he felt about it. Mm. Um, he hated rap music. He thought, you know, he again, he, he saw it as minstrelsy. He saw it as promoting, um, you know, he thought, you know, like promoting stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Like black people can't speak English properly. Right. Black people uh, can't, black people don't care about the way that they look. Mm-hmm. Black people are violent. Black people are uh, disheveled, slovenly. Right. Um, all of these things. He thought that 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 popular black culture was promoting those things, and I was there strictly not allowed to participate. Um, you know, rap music was not played in my home. It was not allowed. Uh, and my father was dark-skinned, but he did not see it. He mm-hmm. did not want any part of it. And if you, this is hard to imagine if you're a black person listening to this. Uh, my father was 60 when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, he was probably older than most of your grandparents. Yeah. At that time. By the time you were 13, 14 years yeah, old. Yeah, he was older than, he was, he was older, he was as old as like a lot of people's great grandparents. Right. So that's what that was. It was like being raised by your great grandmother, mm-hmm. by your great grandfather. Um, but like I said, I was not allowed to participate in popular black culture and it was not brought into the home. Um, I wanted to, like, 
I felt like I wanted to look, I wanted to wear cross colors. I wanted to put my pants on backwards. Of course. You know, that's like, what was super that's cool. That's what was super cool. That's what kids were doing. I wanted hammer pants. Like I wanted all that stuff. But like that shit wasn't even, we can even listen to that music in the house. Hip hop, wow. rap was not allowed. He thought it was low. He thought that, like I said before, he thought it was akin right. to minstrelsy. Right. Um, so it just wasn't allowed in the house. But when I got to middle school, it was everywhere. Like the other black kids, that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, and, the, and then like my most painful, I think, memory was there, there, of no, there's a point in if you're biracial, there's a point where you are supposed to choose right. which culture you identify with. You have yeah. to you you have to choose. It's just expected, like you, uh, and it's generally not. And 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 this it, it was the black kids. It was the uh-huh. black kids uh-huh. that explicitly wanted me to choose. It was like a, it was, uh, it happened all the time and it happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, are you black or are you white? Are you black or are you white? Is this kid black? This kid ain't even black. This kid, even, this kid can't even, you know, can't even, he doesn't act, he can't act black. Like he doesn't act. Yeah. And I think that I mean, it was, I haven't thought about this in a long time, so it's all uh, a lot. But it happened all the time, especially in sixth grade. They were like, I was just constantly being asked to choose, to identify myself to these people, like what I was. Um, And I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and it ostracized me even further. I didn't have any friends to begin with, and I certainly didn't have any friends after that. Um, I couldn't, uh, I wasn't welcome, like, with them, with the black kids, mm. with the other black children. I wasn't welcome uh, because I wouldn't choose. I couldn't do it because to choose, to be like, I'm black, to even say the words, I'm black or I'm like, you, like mm. they just wanted me to say it and I couldn't do it because it felt like I, because it felt like I would be very difficult to was say. Was there kind of in your school, was it like black cliques, white cliques? There weren't that many black kids. There were only a few. There so, were only a handful. So they were really just like wanting you to identify with, with them. them. Yeah. But the question are you black or white is such a crazy question for a biracial person. Cause you're like, I'm both like one of my parents is black. One of my parents is white. It's and that was one my, or the other. You that know? was my response. Right. Which is not because what they want to hear. It felt like, no, because it f- felt like to say one or the other was mean that I was like be choosing one of the other, but giving one like, even though I, didn't get along with my father. You know, I couldn't just say that. I would never say that I didn't belong to him. And it felt like, and I wouldn't just like, I couldn't, I wasn't raised by my mother. I couldn't say I didn't belong to her. Right. It felt to me. Either way, like if you said one or the other, you'd be lying to them anyway. You know what I mean? So like, 
what are you supposed to be like? Yeah, I'm black. Like, what is it was that, a difficult you know? situation. It was a. It, I didn't have the any tools like to deal with this. I wasn't given any from anywhere. Um, it wasn't something that I saw coming. It wasn't something that I was prepared for, and it wasn't something that I could discuss yeah. with anyone. Um, so it really took a toll, and it was very painful. And um, like I don't think about it very often, but even when I do, when I do now, it still makes me really upset. Just because it wasn't something that I could, it wasn't something that I could process, and I, I mean, something that it was a, it was a choice that I refused to make. I think it's and it, it alienated it, well, me from people because I, I mean, refused to like make it. It's like who can, who can process that? That's something that like kids, you know, kids are vicious and they will say stuff and ask questions that should never be asked in the first place. So like. You shouldn't have to pro- be able to, you know, process am I black or white? Like because you're biracial. Like, you know, there is no right answer to that other than I'm both, you know. So I think that like But here's the thing. It, and I think you know, that it's, it's it's just like I could see how that be. could be so conflicting, you know, and yeah. confusing. And it was. And I guess the point of the thing I'm trying to get across is that as far as I, I mean things are changing. Things have changed um, somewhat, but I think that that's still something. I mean, and I've had conversation with other bi- biracial people over the years that that is, it's, I mean, it's definitely a choice that you're expected to make of to identify which culture you identify with. Which, cult, like, are you culturally white or are you culturally black? Um, <laughs> whether you're explicitly asked as I was to, to, to make that choice mm-hmm. or situationally. Yeah. I think that it's something that you are, it puts people, biracial people in a uniquely difficult position Yeah, because you're in between both. You're not black enough for black people and white enough for white people. And that's kind of how I felt to a certain extent, uh, more so, if I'm being honest, I felt more so that I wasn't black enough for black people than I wasn't mm-hmm. white enough for white people mm-hmm. because there were more white people and I was completely ostracized by the other black kids. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't, well, number one, because I wasn't allowed to, to like culturally identify with them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to look like them. Right, like by your parents, by your dad's, Rules. I wasn't allowed to to fit in with them mm-hmm. by appearance, and that has a lot. That's a lot when you're a kid. Like it's it's all about what clothes you wear and what you look, what you dress like, and what your haircut is. Totally. Like that's what it is when you're that age. Yeah. Um, and I just wasn't allowed. So it put me in a uniquely difficult position um, as a biracial person, and then. Uh, I guess, and I, I really didn't have any, like I said many times, and it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. I didn't have any actual friends until high school. Like, there weren't people that came and hung out with me at my house. Um, there weren't, they're just, I didn't have any friends. I had a niece and a nephew that were my age because mm-hmm. my my father's children were so much older than me. Yeah. It was basically, they felt like aunts and uncles 
what I assume most people's aunts and uncles feel like, because I didn't really have any contact with any of my extended family as a child. But my siblings, I mean, they didn't feel like brothers and sisters. They felt like they were adults. It felt like aunts and uncles, I assume. Most people's aunts and uncles would feel like, like the, the relationship. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And my relationship, even though with my niece and nephew, they were my same age. So they were as close as I had to friends growing up. These uh, were your dad's brothers? No, these are my dad's. No, my dad's children's children. My niece and nephew. Oh, <laughs> your dad's children's children. Okay. My niece and nephew were, were like my brother, one of my brother's children. Because I met were your. my same age. You met, you met, I met him, your... the one that got married. We went to his wedding. Yes. He was your. He's my nephew. Nephew. But he was basically the same age. Yes, he is the same age. Okay, yeah, it's <laughs> confusing. Yep. Um, so that was the closest thing that I had to friends growing up. So I didn't really have... I, I met some other... I had um, a really close biracial friend in high school. We'd known each other our whole lives, my friend Ailey. She's like my sister. Um, she's Puerto Rican and white. Uh, and we got really tight in high school and we became really close friends. And to this day, we're like family. It's but, one of the reasons that you moved to Phoenix. Yeah, major it's one reason. of the main reasons that I moved to Phoenix. Um, but even throughout high school, like I didn't have any, I never had black friends just because that experience was so traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, if I'm going to be really honest, um, that experience was traumatizing and my father was really all I knew of black people. Right. And my father was... And you didn't want to hang out with him. I didn't want to hang out with him. <laughs> I mean, he was... I mean, he was... Well, you were saying that he was kind of... He didn't like white people, but he also didn't really like black culture or... Well, my so father it was, was... kind of like... My father was... Mentally unstable. He was paranoid for most of my life. Uh, because when my, my mother, when my mother, his mistress, left him, I think it, something snapped in his brain because mm. he was such a control freak. Um, and it was something that he couldn't have control of. And like most of this, like I said, this is a, this is a whole other conversation. But he, uh, like most of my life was spent like literally him daily verbally retelling the story of my own life in a way that made him into the hero. He would tell he was telling me stories of things that already happened that I was there for, but he would completely change them and he would do it on a daily basis. So it was very much like he was trying to convince himself of an, of another narrative and me yeah. of another narrative. And this mm-hmm. while at the same time I wasn't allowed um, to tell anyone about our family story, right. like about my story, about mm-hmm. any of our family. He said it was nobody's business and um, and that I was should not speak to people about it. He also didn't was paranoid and didn't trust anyone. Not only should I not trust, he basically taught me not to trust anyone. He literally told me all the time that you can't trust people. You can't trust anyone, only trust me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... There's that. That's a, that's its own. It's a whole own <laughs> other thing. God, I'm fucking. I'm a mess, girl. I don't know how I made it this far. 
shit. Talking about this stuff makes me just like realize how fucked up it all is. Well, Let me try to get back on track here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. My life has been fucked up. Um, but what, where was I? So black people, like black friends. I didn't have any black friends. Really, I had a black, like one close biracial friend in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of, and some most, and my other friends were white girls. Um, I didn't have any black friends until college, mm-hmm. literally. And the only reason that I was able to, I think that I was able to do that was because they were faggots. Yeah. And this was another point that I wanted to make. Like, the identity for me, like, the identity of faggot, mm-hmm. like, the, everything that goes with that, that um, superseded any racial, like, for me, anything of ra- like to do with race. Yeah. So it was it was easier, and it seemed like that yeah. kind of was like that's what it was like for a lot of people. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. It's like we were all faggots. I never really felt, you know, I never really felt a part of a specific culture or whatever. I mean, until I started getting into the gay culture. I mean, white culture, I mean... What is it? What, what is that? You know what I mean? Um, certainly Sorry, not anything I want to identify it? with. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I mean, I, 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 I had a strong appreciation for black culture, that's for sure. Yes. I was, you know... You did. I was... Um, you still do. I still do, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was always into hip-hop and r&b and this the style of hip-hop and um you know i i i I was in a weird bubble growing up because i went to an art school that was in downtown cincinnati and was like the one of the basically the worst area of cincinnati which is pretty rough um and there was kids that were bussed in from all around the city and the suburbs um, because it was a it was a it was a public school, but it was you know to audition you had to audition to get in because it was an art school, and so there was my school was almost equally mixed black and white, and there really was to me. I mean, I can't speak for the. African American students, but to me, I felt like there was, it was not, it certainly wasn't like a lot of other public schools that I've heard about where people, you know, there's like these crazy cliques and, you know, and it's very racially divided. And, you know, this was in the 90s. I don't know how it is now, but like, you know, it was more about, your talent you know what i mean like for the popular yes. kids it was about how good of a singer are you how good of a dancer are you you know how good of an actor or artist or whatever musician that's that's what made you cool at my school you know what i mean so um it was just not you know i had i had tons of black friends and white friends and whatever and it wasn't like it really wasn't something that i thought about you know um, 
And, and then going to college, it was kind of the same thing because I went to music school and, um, you know, my best friend, Nikki is a black woman, uh, that she was my best friend, like pretty much all through college. Uh, one of my other best friend, Nick is a black guy. Like I live with you (laughs) biracial. Um, and it's never like I was ever consciously seeking to hang out with black people or white people or whatever. It's just kind of the way that the dice landed, you know? And, um, I mean, I feel really lucky to have grown up like that. I feel very privileged to have been in that environment and been able to experience um, an environment where race was not maybe the determining factor in who you would be hanging out with and how you could identify. Yeah, I think that is, I mean, that is great. That is not the experience of most people. Right, right. And that's why I'm saying I feel really <laughs> lucky um, to have have been raised in that type of environment because I don't know. I mean, I could be a completely different person if if it wasn't for that. Who knows, you know? True. Oh, girl. But Heavy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in like... Yeah, and and I feel like in New York, in uh-huh. our in our circle of friends and the nightlife scene, I never really felt a racial divide at all. You know? No, I mean there We're, was there's always I mean we live in a we'll we'll circle back to this later, but we live in a racist society and racism is everywhere. Absolutely. And like I, I specifically there were things that I hadn't, there were aspects of racism that I personally had never experienced. I mean, the the most blatantly racist thing that I ever experienced prior to college came in high school when, and it was only one time. This was the only time I'd really been like slurred at all in high school. It was one time and it was, I think it happened junior year. And I was like sitting with a friend in a hall and like eating lunch in the hallway you know, like the sad kids did, uh, and like in the stairwell, um, and uh, this uh, douchebag, like jock kid, came running by. I guess it was in his way. Like pushed me, and he's like, "Out of the way, nigger faggot! Go back to Africa." Jesus. And it was literally, and he said it like he didn't even say it like he knew what he was even saying. Mm. Clearly, this is something that he had heard at home. Or in the moment knew, but it wasn't said, it was just rattled off. Mm. There was no, and I think, uh, I don't know, but that's, that happened and it became a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, um, Did you, you know, go beat his ass? I did not beat his ass. <laughs> um, Missed opportunity. I did not beat his ass, but it became... Did you tell the principal? I did. Well, um, at least you told the principal. Did he get punished? Yes. He was suspended. Well, that's good. I could have gotten him expelled. And it's funny, when, I tell, when I've told this story before, I, tell, I say that I got him expelled. I've told this story before. I'm going to admit this to you right now. <laughs> I've told this story before. And in that, when I tell this story, I say that I got him expelled. 
Uh, that is not true. I did not get him expelled. Um, I got, he got suspended and he was allowed because he was a senior and he's allowed to come back and he's allowed to graduate because I did not know. I did not feel cause, because I couldn't. I was not, I'd not grown into my power mm-hmm. and I did not stand up for myself in the way that I should have. And I didn't, I've never wanted to admit that to anyone, but I will admit it to you. Right. Um, he did that. That boy was not expelled from school. He should have been. I could have gotten him expelled, um, but I did not because I didn't press it because I was intimidated into it by the principal. Mm. Um, so into not making it a big deal. Um, it was framed in a way that made me feel like I had something to do with it, and I bought into it. So I didn't press for this fullest extent of whatever penalties because this was not this is a liberal like you know this is new hampshire but this is like a part of new hampshire that was this is the most liberal part of new hampshire the most liberal town in the state of new hampshire yeah at the time so it would had i taken it to anywhere like the local paper which my brother worked for um that this would have it could have been a huge deal and a very big scandal yeah um but at the time, I did not, like I said, I had not, I did not feel my own power. Yeah. And I was intimidated and into you letting don't, it go. You don't want to necessarily be the spectacle of scandal. No. Uh, when you're that age. No. I mean, I don't know if anybody ever really wants to be that, you know, person, but, you know. But he like, you know, he said just about everything you could say to me in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, he could have, whatever penalties... I probably would have dictated, they would have done just to keep it quiet. Yeah. Um, in a town like that. Mm. But I didn't. Well, you so know. I don't know. That's not something I've ever admitted before, but I felt like, why not admit it now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> While we're admitting things. But like, so, but like, what, what I was going to say was, in, College, I, I, I started to experience things because the groups that I was hang, hanging out with were pro, they're like predominantly black mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Like the person, the two people that I went out with the most were black, mm-hmm. and I went out a lot. Yes, you did. Um, like a lot, 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 lot. And you like, yeah, most of the group was black. I mean, the only white one was Nita. I mean, is she really white. And she's, I mean, not really. She's more like Middle Eastern. Yeah. The fairest skinned of all of us (laughs) was Nita, and she wasn't even really white. Right. Um, But the most part, for the most part, I went out with, uh, the people that I went out with were black. And I have, and when we lived on on the Water Street dorms down by the South Street Seaport, cabs were few and far between. Um, Mm. And I remember. That is so true. Yeah. Cabs were few and far between. And. Uh, I was always the one that had to get cab. They would send me out by myself. In and drag? They would stay, yeah. <laughs> even even in drag, it was they, I was more likely uh-huh. to get a cab I mean, than that is that is something that, that is like, if you don't think... But the funny thing is, I would say, what, 95% of those people that are passing up, the cab drivers that are passing you up because you're black... Are Middle Eastern are not are not are white. Not white. They're not white. But there's you know, but yeah, they're Middle Eastern or Indian or whatever mm-hmm. you know. 
So, um, yeah, I think it's just like, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, so usually I need, and sometimes that wasn't even enough. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my experience of race and what people perceive me as also has to do has to do with my skin color, but it also has to do with my, how my skin color is perceived in relation to who I'm with. Because mm-hmm. when I'm like, people are more likely to see me as black when everybody that I'm hanging out with is dark skinned. Right. Um. So you know, and then also well, all the other things. Uh, and it depends what kind of situation I'm in. Um, I had never experienced being followed around like grocery stores or department stores before. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. I experienced that when I got to New York for sure Um, by myself and with other people. And granted you were stealing. I was stealing. (laughs) (laughs) But still, (laughs) nevertheless, He's like, remember that episode of Good Time <laughs> when, when Janet Jackson, Jackson got, got caught, caught stealing? stealing? Watch me serve. Watch me serve. Watch me serve. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, um, so girl. you've you know you've you've definitely felt the racism. I mean, I felt I've, the racism. I've seen blatant racism for sure. I grew up in Ohio and Kentucky. Oh yeah, bitch. okay. And I'm having some real problems um, in Ohio right now. <laughs> and uh, you know those white those white rednecks in Kentucky, ugh, girl, it's just the 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 ignorance, the needing to feel like they're superior to someone. Um, it's just pathetic and sad. Um, mm. And um, I have to say yeah, that no, it's 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 not. I I just I never really got it because I just was not was not like in that that circle of people that look down on other races. The overt racists. Yes. Um bigots. Right. Um I mean straight up bigots. You weren't you weren't didn't have much experience with I straight think up that, bigots. Well, I mean, you know, I think that my maybe my parents probably saw it a lot more than I did coming from a different generation. My mom was, my mom was raised in Texas mm-hmm. in, you know, she was in the sixties, you know, she was, she would be, she was a teenager in the six, in the late sixties in Texas. Yeah. So, you know, my grandma would say racist things, but it was almost like not in a, not in a, meaning to be like mean or belittling it was just like ingrained in her you know because that's how she that's the environment that she grew up in you know yeah. what i mean it's not like she was trying to be you know this is trying this to hurt people's me, feelings yes, but it was this that's, but that's what i'm saying it's like even if you're like what we were talking about yesterday um when we were discussing what we were going to talk about um, even if you're not blatantly racist, calling calling black people the N word or or uh, 
you know, I'm not a KKK member and so I'm fine, you know. It's like, no, the entire society, the entire country, the entire American culture is racist and has been since the beginning of this country. So you can't subtract yourself you can't from opt that out equation of racism yeah you can't opt out of it and i think i and i this is something that i've experienced very directly as a per, as a as someone who is perceived as white passing depending upon what fucking time of year it is and what mm-hmm. my hair looks like um especially in situations where people are inebriated which was most of my adult life um i can personally attest to the fact that Many, 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 if not most, white people are very much more racist than they think they are. I have encountered so many people that I knew, people that I have known for a long time. When you get in certain situations, uh, whenever when people are drunk or high, their lips get loose. Um, You're in a bar. It's dark. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe we've not met before. Maybe they think I'm white. Uh, It's happened so many times. So many times I can't I can't even venture a guess as to hundreds of times I've had these interactions with people where they say racist ass shit and they don't even know what they're doing. Right. Um, they it doesn't occur to them. They would if you ask them, they would say they aren't racist. Right. And here, this is the problem. Most white people don't understand what racism is they don't understand Mm. that it's not something like we said it's not something that you can opt out of and it makes it upsets them when you imply otherwise yeah which makes talking about race so difficult with most white people because most white people don't think of themselves as racist i have black friends I don't use the N-word. I'm not a member of the KKK. I don't see color. Mm -hmm. These are like very well-meaning people Mm -hmm. still feel this way. Therefore, in their minds, racism has nothing to do with them. They're not the ones doing it. It's those other people. It's those racist people. Mm -hmm. That is not the case. You cannot remove yourself from the racist society in which you exist. Right. Everything that you do is affected by racism. Everything that you have is affected by racism. Every way in which you are perceived is affected by racism. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult. And people, most white people, I would say most, I mean, it's changing. It is changing. But I would, but still, I think there is the problem. I think individuals are changing, yes. but society overall has so far to go. And I don't even know if it is really changing. I don't know. It isn't. It, I mean, not, like, not really. There hasn't it been any seem like it. changes because of that attitude. Right. As long as there are people who think that they can opt out of racism, Mm -hmm. who think that racism has nothing to do with them because they do not perceive themselves as racist because they've never used the N-word, because Mm -hmm. I I don't even see color. I've never... uh, I have black friends. Mm -hmm. Therefore, racism has nothing to do with me. 
as long as there are people, white people like that, that exist, like we're not, nothing changes. And then that same token we were talking about before, like racism can't be solved by black people. And I think that's a very difficult thing for people to hear. Uh, And it's a difficult thing for me, for, you know, people of color to say, but it is fucking true. Black, like, and I think that that's something that really needs to be thought about. Yeah, it's just like like homophobia can't be solved by gay people. Yeah. Like, you can't. It's not, we're not the ones that are, we're the ones that have to deal with it, but we're not the ones that are causing it, you know? So, and I also think that there's the thing that makes me the most angry uh, when I've been in situations like this of people, like loose lipped people that are otherwise very enlightened, um, uh, is this. Um, oh God, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> There's so many things going through my head right now. White it's hard people for me are to terrible. No, it's. <sighs> I mean, it's. It's really. It's not. It's not. You know, obviously, as a white person, oh, I remembered what I was going <laughs> to say. I, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. This is, I remember what I was going to say. This concept of if black people would just. Okay, uh, let me. Where do I start this? The concept, the, the race card. This is something mm-hmm. here. If people would stop playing the race card, right? Stop playing the race card, right? Uh, this is implies that again, that like leads back to the, the um, uh, this concept of oh, shit. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. Well, I, we were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday. We're just like, why I've can't? So why can't? People. When people say why? Why can't black people just get over it? Yeah, and then it would all be over. You know, if just, yeah, that that somehow like, black people like, bringing it up is right. what keeps it going. Right. Um, the only reason just, they're bringing it up is because it's that's still there. Yeah, it's completely and they're the ones that have to battle against it. They're the ones that get effect, affected by it. It's like, and, so, that, and that goes back to you know, that it's same way. It's it easy goes, for a yeah. white person to say, why can't you just get over it? Because you don't have to get it over anything. You know, like you're already over it because it doesn't affect you and you're, and dire- doesn't affect you directly. So it's just one sided thinking by people who are not even, shouldn't even have. A hat in the game because they don't have to deal with it in the first place. And it's but it's it's related to that same thought process of being able to opt out of racism. Mm-hmm. I don't think like that, so I'm not causing this. Yeah. So I, if it's not me, yeah. And people and most people are like me, right? Which is what most people think anyway. Right. <laughs> most people think the same way I do. It's not us. Then it has to be them. Yeah. Because I'm not racist, and most people that I know aren't racist, don't use the N-word, aren't a member of the KKK, well, so it's not, you it's know, not it's, us. You it know has what's to be interesting, them. What's interesting about, you know, I, I look at it uh, a lot from, uh, you know, give, giving parallels with the LGBT community. Yeah. But in recent years, it seems like it's super popular to be an ally of the LGBT community, QIA, mm-hmm. what have you. Um, 
you know, we see more and more straight people marching in pride parades. We see more and more corporations sponsoring pride and celebrating the gay community. Mm-hmm. And we've got Pride Month, okay? We've got Pride Month. Where is any of that for black people in America? You are very right. Where is it? And you know why? Because maybe the, well, first of all, the corporations want the gay vote and want the gay dollar, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why they don't want the black people's money, you know? But uh, I don't know. I feel like the gay movement has made a bigger move, has made like more, has gone, has gone further in the last 10 years than, you know, mm-hmm. racism against black people. Well, that is very it's true. And crazy. ironically, the entire gay rights movement, the, is you know, is was started by riots, was started by people of color. Were started by people. The Stonewall riots were started trans, by trans people, people of color. color. Um, God, I thought I that about a bitch. You know, I mean, I've seen you know in the last few days, I've seen a lot of support for the black community. I wonder how long it's going to last. But you know, th- we have we have Black History Month in this country, right? But I think that there needs to be something else other than black pride, black appreciation for all the shit that they've that, that this country has put them through in the first place. White people don't want to think about it, right? But straight people want to think about being an ally for gay people. I mean. Maybe I see more of that because about, that's what when you think about you I'm know you just have to but you know but in order to be an ally for as a heterosexual person to a homosexual person, I mean you maybe have to envision a few uncomfortable sex acts. That's about it. But to be an ally as a white person, a real ally as a white person to a person of color, you have to think about a lot of really horrible shit. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't even like thinking about it. I don't like thinking about it at all, but it's all, like you have to think about grisly, graphic, horrendous mm-hmm. uh, violence being portrayed, being uh, inflicted upon black bodies. I mean, you you have to think about that. And who wants to think about that? White people certainly don't want to think about it. They, they don't want to feel that kind of guilt. Right. Nobody wants to feel that kind of guilt. Yeah. Because if you really, I feel like any white person, if you really thought about what the shit that has been done to black people. If you mm-hmm. really, really thought about it, you couldn't help but feel extremely guilty. And if you did, you're fuck if you don't, you're fucking sociopath. Right. But the thing is I don't know what it's very difficult. Yeah. White people don't want to think about it. And I don't I know what it. it is about, you know, the not being able to accept white privilege, not being able to acknowledge it. It's some kind of ego, some kind of um ego driven um thing that makes people feel like you know it's it i guess it's part of human nature like well i don't want to 
give you something because then I'll have less of it. You know, there's what I mean? that as well, which is that's a separate. Which thing, is though. like, you think that people will be smart enough to understand that that's not the case, but maybe I'm giving people too many too much mm. credit. You know, I think speaking of having to, I mean, it reminded me um, that really being an ally involves some very uncomfortable things like thinking about some very uncomfortable truths about America. Um, and I feel also, I think that a lot of people feel like it's so far away from them that it happened so long ago. Mm. It didn't. And let me give you a little bit of perspective here, because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot and that I've said to you before. Mm. Um, Harriet Tubman, one of the most recognizable faces of, you know, slavery and what that, what America represented then. Mm -hmm. The recognizable faces of, you know, black liberation, basically. Um, Everybody knows who Harriet Tubman is. Hopefully. (laughs) I would say, I mean, I, I hope so. You better if you don't fucking educate yourself. She died in 1913. Right. Right? 1913. Seems like a really long time ago, doesn't it? That's the year that my grandmother was born. That's My father was born 10 years after that. Mm-hmm. The man who raised me for my entire, into adulthood, was born only 10 years after Harriet Tubman died. Like, yeah. get into that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that fucking long ago. It was not the that shit long, did yeah. not happen that long ago. And things were horrible. My father was born in 1924, 23. Um, and I, I wrote a little bit, I wrote, I tweeted about this, but I'm going to tell the whole story because I think it needs to be told. And it's something, I wish that I could remember all of the stories that my father told me uh, because there were hundreds um, but I can't, I, I've actively, honestly, I've actively blocked out a lot of them just because of the relationship that I had with my father. Um, and I don't know. I wish I hadn't, I wish there was some sort of documentation. I wish that I, I wish that I remembered more, but there is one, there are a couple that stand out in my mind. Maybe if I thought about it really hard, I could remember some more, but as of right now, only a couple have come back to me. Um, and the one is a story that he would tell a lot of the Ku Klux Klan coming to his house. His father, um, the Bounds family had their own land, which wasn't, which was rare at the time. He was from, he grew up in Grenada, Mississippi. And if you don't know, I'll tell you, Mississippi was and is still the most racist state in the nation. Um, some of the, uh, the most horrendous atrocities committed post, probably pre, pre-slavery and post, but definitely post-slavery mm-hmm. um, have been committed in Mississippi, um, in the state of Mississippi. Uh, so he was raised in that, in, in amongst that. He saw as a pretty regular occurrence uh, black bodies hanging from trees 
uh, with their genitals cut off, uh, black bodies floating in rivers, dead. Um, this was something that he encountered on a regular basis as a child. So the, his father, they had their, what I was trying to say, like they had their own land, but they had, because of the, some situation, his father had to go get a job. And the only jobs available really for black men were working in the fields. So he ha was working in the fields. And at the same time, I mean, the system was pretty much the same. There was an overseer. There was like a, someone overseeing the work. Then they had a whip still at this point. If they weren't working, and even though slavery was over, there were still overseers. It just, that there still were. There was someone riding around on a horse with a crop and that would hit people if they weren't working hard enough. So, uh, but on the Bounds family temper, uh, the overseer tried to do this to my father's father. And my father's father ripped him down off the horse and beat the shit out of him. So he um, immediately knew that his life was in danger. Uh, and he fled. He went home and, you know, packed some things and fled the state uh, almost immediately. Um, later on, pretty very soon after his father had fled, the Ku Klux Klan came uh, torches ablaze to my father's house. He was home with his mother and his aunt. Um, his mother and his aunt both had shotguns. His mother put a shotgun on a chair, propped a shotgun against a chair, sat him behind the chair, put it in his hands, pointed it at the door, and told him if the door were to open at all for any reason, he was to pull the trigger. Um, it didn't open, but this is something I mean, like, this didn't happen that long ago. Like, this was my father's, when my father was a child. Mm. Not my great-great-great-great-grandfather. Mm. Not even my great-grandfather. Not my grandfather. My father, the person that raised me. This is something that happened to him in his lifetime. And if you had any doubt, like, if anyone listening to this has any lingering notions of how long ago this should happen, please let this Erase them for you because it was not that long ago. No, it was not that long ago. It was a very short time ago. Um, I mean, there are other stories. He had a lot of stories. My father was he was uh, he went to Tuskegee. He was in the he was in uh, Tuskegee Airmen. He was in the Air Force. Um, that got him out of the South and took him around the world. Some of my brothers and sisters were born in other countries, but and uh, for my entire life he would not go to the South. He would not go to visit his family. He would not go when his father, he would not go to his father's funeral. He would not go any further South than Philadelphia, than Pennsylvania. Just wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to do it. And he wouldn't, he didn't want us to go either. He didn't want us to, he, uh, even though he told, he had many stories and he told them very often. Um, he didn't want us. He, his entire existence was like 
built around keeping his family away from that. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted me away from it. He wanted all of his children to never have any interactions with anything like that ever. Yeah. Um, and he was successful, you know, until I moved away for, until I was an adult, um, you know, pretty much an adult. Well, I mean, it's obviously still not safe, not just in the South, but anywhere in the United States. I mean, we've had black people being killed by the police for no reason and not even being prosecuted for it all around the country. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it would be one thing if it was only happening in Mississippi or what, or whatever, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And And the police are dangerous. The police force is dangerous in of its essence. These people, during uh, Reconstruction, right after, after abolition, is when the KKK came to prominence. Those people didn't disappear. No. After the civil rights movement. They didn't just disappear. Yeah. They became police officers. Mm-hmm. The FBI, you know, was invented to catch slaves. <laughs> like, there, there's a history of law enforcement. Yeah. Being, existing, really, solely... To keep black people in their place. Mm-hmm. It's a hard truth, but you got to fucking get into it, yeah. white people. You have if to you can't get into it, it. If you can't acknowledge it, you're part of the problem. Yeah. So. You are. And let me, let, let me say this as well. If you really have finding it hard getting into what your privilege is as a white person, I'm biracial and I had... I, this happened to me. This is something that happens to every black or visibly ethnic child mm-hmm. in this country. This is something that is a major part, and I'm going to share it with you right now. Get into it. This is a part of every colored child's life. There yeah. comes a point when their parents tell them to stay away from the police. I don't care where you are, who you are, every black person that I've ever met. I'm comfortable speaking for people of color in this instance. There comes a point when you are usually a child where your parents tell you to stay away from the police. It happened to me. I mean, my father was paranoid in many other ways, but I remember very vividly when the D.A.R.E. program was beginning. Um, I don't know if they called them this everywhere. Office, was office, were they called Officer Friendly? The D.A.R.E. Officer? Girl, I done smoked too much pot remember? to remember what my D.A.R.E. Officer's name <laughs> anyway, was. Anyway, <laughs> I remember in third grade, and this is probably, you know what, I'm putting it all together. Why, all this, why third grade? Why did all of this happen in third grade? Why did my father decide to show me these movies in third grade? I remember this happened in third grade. The D.A.R.E. Officer started showing up and they called him Officer Friendly. And I thought he was just the coolest thing ever. He was very handsome, very tall. Um, and I wanted him to be my friend. I didn't, you know, I didn't know why, but at the time. Oh. But, uh, and I told my father about it. And he said very plainly, Officer Friendly is not your friend. 
Wow. Officer Friendly is not your friend. If you're ever in trouble, don't involve, don't call the police. Call me. Hmm. Don't trust the police. Don't call the police. Avoid all, avoid all possible, if at all possible, all contact with police forever. Don't come in. If you can avoid con- coming into any, con- having any contact with the police, avoid it. Mm. If you're ever in trouble, don't call the police. Call me. This is something like, did you ever, white people, did you ever have that conversation with mm. your parents? No. No, but I can guarantee you that every person of color has had that conversation with their parents. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's something that I saw the, the other day that I, was, I posted on my Twitter was basically, who, you, I forget her name who was saying this. It was this woman in, the, in this in full of a room of white people giving a speech, and she said, Jane. If, yeah, if, Jane. You, oh God. if you want to be, if you would like to be treated the same way that black people are treated in this country, stand up. Nobody stands up. And then she says, wait a minute, you guys didn't hear me right. If you would like to be treated the way black people are treated in this country, stand up. And of course, none of the white no none of these white people stand up. And then she's like, You know. So you know. You, you know how already black know. people are treated. You know you have she didn't say she didn't say this, but it, basically this is saying you know how bl- how black people are treated. You and and just through that you have to recognize white privilege because you're not treated like that. So that's what white privilege is. If you are wondering, you know, and it's just I it, it just blows my mind that people can't still. I think that maybe they just don't even want to take the time to like try to understand it. Maybe you know. Well, if, if a lot of, of people to you know white. A lot of uh, let me. What it comes down to with anybody, a lot of times is, does it really make a difference for me? You know, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of white people don't think that the way that black people are treated in this country makes a difference for them. So they're withdrawn. You know what I mean? It's sad. Maybe they don't know any black people. Maybe they don't care. You know, but. It's that's. You know, I honestly don't know. <clears throat> it's, it's. I don't know what the answer is. It's sad, question. you know. It's it's really disgusting. But I feel like at the end of the day, unless it is like directly affecting them, a lot of people are just like, so what, you know? It's sad. It is sad. But it's but obviously that's got, it's got to be something because if people really cared, if everybody really cared, this would not be happening right now. You know, so donate to Black Lives Matter. Support, donate, support, yeah, support bail funds, and um, be an ally. Be an ally. Stand you got, up. For you have to. You have to. People of color. I'm going to challenge you to educate yourself. Educate yourself. Educate others. Don't look away from the truth. Yeah. And know that you are part of this just as much as anyone else. Yeah. If you want to, if like, yeah. And if I can leave you with anything, oh, I'm feeling so worn out by that. <laughs> feeling worn out by that. Um, if I can leave you with anything, it's uh, black people can't solve racism. White people can. 
That's all there is to it. It's true. Black people can march until their feet fall off. It's not going to make any difference. Yeah. The only pe- the only people that can change this is white people. And I guess maybe I so get out there and vote for the right people too. Vote but for what the I, right yeah, people. what I mean by that is like you can't. The time for just being like, oh, that's just Uncle Ernie, or oh, that's just her. That's just my mom. She doesn't know any better. That's just my. That's just my uncle. He doesn't know any better. That's just my brother. Yeah. He doesn't know any better. The time for that shit is fucking done. Right. It's fucking over with. Stop with that shit. If you take it personal, take it personal. Educate people. If you know better. And you're sitting there and you and you hear someone saying something that you know mm. is wrong. Tell them so. Yeah. Because maybe it's no, be no you know what? Maybe no one ever has. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. It's there it's going to be a, a lot easier to take from another white person. Yeah. than from a black person. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're talking about this in 2020, but Oh, I can't. It can't. If That's can't, the other thing. Get into it, everyone. It, get I mean, into if it. If we don't do it this now, is the way it it's is. just going to be another hundred years, you know, that we're talking about this shit. So let's make it happen. Do your part. Be an ally. Be a real ally. Donate. Please. Um, I hope, I mean, I don't know. Like I said before, I'm like upset, angry, confused, sad. Don't know what's the right thing is to do right now. And stay safe. God damn stay it. Stay safe. Corona's like shot up a thousand people in the, in the last day in Arizona. Yeah. And th- so that's, that's people not from a good couple either. weeks ago. That's oh, not good either. There's God. so much shit going on out there. So please stay safe. Um, blood curdle, blood curdle. Blood curdle, blood curdling <laughs> scream. Ah, stay safe. Um, be an ally. Donate. Do what you can. Educate yourself. Like I said, I don't know what the answers are, what I'm supposed to be doing, but this is what I can do. So this is what I'm doing right now. And I hope that, you know, somebody gets something out of it. Yeah. Whew. I All think right. that's enough. I'm, 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 I'm exhausted. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We love you. Thanks for listening. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. Who, but who is she? She's black. She's black. Today, she's fucking black. Today, she's black. She's just black. Okay? Get into it, everyone. She's black. Today, she's fucking black. Don't fucking kill her. Don't kill her. She's black. Support her. Support her. She's black. She's black. Her life is black. It matters. She's black. It matters. Read black authors. Go to her business. Go to her business. Purchase something from her black business. Fucking hire her. Hire her. Hire her black ass to do something for you. Anything. <clears throat> Support black people. Read black authors. That's very important. You need to read something that a black person wrote. Please do that. Yes. Watch something that a black person filmed. Yeah. She's black. Today she's fucking black. Okay? Yeah. That's who she is. She's who black. is she? Who is she? She's black. She's black.
Get into it. Get into it. Get into all of it. Get into it. Touch the skin, honey. Touch all of the skin. The skin yeah. is black. Hell yeah. What have you done for you lately? Ooh, yeah. What have you done for you lately? What have you done for you lately? Oh, what have you done for you lately? I dragged my ass out of bed. Girl, I had one of those days the other day where I said if I could just get out of bed and get make my way to the shower, maybe. Girl, what have you done for you lately? Oh, girl. I don't know what I've done. I'm trying to... I'm keeping my head above water here. I'm trying not... I think I'm doing a pretty good job, honestly, because uh, if I wasn't... I think if I wasn't on... um, Drugs. I think that it might be the story might be different. Dim drugs helping your <laughs> dim drugs is helping. Dim drugs is helping a lot, actually. Well, that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. I think uh, what what have we what I mean I, I made this beautiful dress. You show did. She did that. I made this gorgeous dress. You'll be able to see it featured on not that the not you'll miss it, but um You'll be seeing it featured on the living room this evening. Our yeah. live stream show. Our live stream show. It's happening on Wednesday because of Blackout Tuesday. Because of Blackout Tuesday. But usually when Erica's feeling conflicted about Tuesday. it. Um, but we're going to do it anyway. But I think that, you know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with putting out entertainment for people to enjoy yes. in times like this. People need to be... I'm hoping that I can get know, myself to the level that I need to need be a to reason, entertain people. People need a reason to... I think that's the also that like, I'm like, can know, I get there? Like, can I really like get myself there right now? I, I hope so. We'll see. Well, I'm good at compartmentalizing, <laughs> so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> terrible at it. I can't so do it at all. So good compartmentalizing. I can't do it at all. Um... <sighs> But you're going to be there with me. We're going to be there together. We're going to have a wonderful time. You're going to support me, right? We're going to have have a wonderful time. time. You're going to hold my hand. Um, My sweaty, sweaty hand. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what have you done for you? You know, I've just been, I got, I think we got back, gotten back on our um, fitness. We've definitely been working on our fitness. We've been working on our fitness. So that's been good. I've been using, uh, I made some. Vanity purchases. I told that I told that I mentioned a while back. Right. Maybe about your stretches um, for my stretching, um, and I'm actually been using them. You can kick. I can kick and I can stretch, and they have been making a difference. I mean, it has. It's only been a few weeks. Um, it's gonna. It's gonna be a few months before I really see any sort of crazy results. Yeah. But the foot stretcher, Miss Thing. After the first time I used it, I felt my feet felt like I'll have to give it a try. Feet. To give it a try, it's intense, and you got to make sure that you're warmed up properly before mm. you don't want to pull something. Mm. Um, and honestly, like the the like, uh, there's no there's no common attitude towards their use in the dance community. 
like some people think that they're horrible. You should never use them. And some people think they're the best thing ever. Mm. So, but I don't really care because I don't dance anymore. And that's more about vanity. Um, like what my, <laughs> it's feet, all about vanity. what my feet look like vanity um, six, in pumps. Is. And like, I feel like, uh, having a more flexible instep, uh, having a better arch is just going to make it easier for me to wear higher shoes. Who doesn't want a better arch? Who doesn't want a better arch? Anyway, I've been, yeah, I've been using my, all the bits and baubles that I used for, that I bought. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, I made, I mean, some, other, I made some other vanity purchases. I'm going to tell yeah. you, I, I, I needed some things There's for my There's nothing drag. wrong with buying things that you need, Erica. I know, it's hard for me though. I was not raised that way. Sometimes you just got to buy stuff. Yeah. My um, dad did not buy things. <laughs> you are very anti-spending money. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, you've gotten better at it lately. I purchased a bunch of... See, the, the, I only really wear my lip tar mm-hmm. because I love the... It's the only thing that does what I feel like a lip color should do. Mm-hmm. Um, Even it's, when it's, it's not on your lips, but completely over the line of your lip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's completely over. The, why would I put? Why would I? Why would I use why would the I line? Stop at yeah, the line of my natural, line of my natural, natural lips. Line? That's so stupid. What's that? I don't understand. What are you talking? I don't. I don't, I don't know understand what you're, what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> are you speaking English? Wait, wait, what? Um, <laughs> natural lip? Who? Natural lip <laughs> I don't get it. That's a foreign language. Oh, um, but yeah, I need it. I only use this one particular kind, right? But I only have four colors, mm-hmm. and I've been doing drag all the time. Yeah. So I bought a. I bought. Oh gosh, I think I bought ten new colors. Oh wow! It was expensive. One of the most of them. They're between ten and twelve dollars. Well, that adds up. That adds up. But one of them in particular. One is this really special color that is hard to find and has some sort of rare minerals in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it minerals. was very expensive. It cost $40. <laughs> I mean, I feel it's like a called, lot of people listening are like, $40 is not that much. Like, for whatever. a lip color, it's a lot. It's for me. a work expense. Yeah. For me, I've never spent that much money on makeup in my whole life. It's a work expense. But Write it's it so beautiful. It's called Techno Pagan. And it's this uh, really gorgeous. It wasn't. It was like thirty. I think. Yeah, with tax, it was forty mm. bucks. Uh, but it's this beautiful navy, like uh, royal navy, like some in between royal and navy blue, really dark blue, mm. with um, iridescent metallic shimmer. Ooh, it's it's maybe the most beautiful lip color I've ever seen. Gorgeous. So I'm excited for that to come in the mail. And for everyone to see it on my face. This one is a new one, too. It's called uh, Working Girl. It's pink with a little bit of gold. Oh, yeah. I kind of see the gold coming out of it. Yeah. With our ring lights, you can really get into it. I probably um, t- it's probably about time for me to reapply. I mean, like I, you know, I love like <laughs> I'm a serial <laughs> discount shopper. You really are. You're I good will, at it. I hate. I doing will it. go. You know, I love a Ross. I love a Dee's. I love an online discount. You're great at like, online shopping. I, I hate it. I have been fiending because sometimes I just go to Ross just to look or Burlington or whatever. Sometimes I just need to go and try on clothes. But since Miss Rona, I haven't been unable to do that. So I've been forced to go online. 
And I, I, you know, I, I haven't really shopped that much, but I, like the other day, just like, I, I went through every page of this website to see all everything. Like that's how much I love it. There was a hundred pages. And I went through every single one of them with like 20 things on each it's page. It's like my worst nightmare. I love it. I love it. And I got some me? really good deals. I feel like I should I just have you shop I found some really cute hats. Um, Can I give you a list? And that's where I got my tiger shorts. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I, got my, I got those tiger shorts for like, for like, I think they were only like $13 or something. I mean, that's very, they're very, it's a nice material. It's a nice material. It's not that weird, soapy, no, cheap No, no, no. It's, like it's more like a neoprene, neoprene, which I love a neoprene apparel. You do. I do. I really do. It's uh, they're very, it's very high very quality. <laughs> you, you, you love shopping. Will you shop for me? I need some things and I don't want to look for them. Um, sure. I've been actually Thank had you. my eye out for that weird shaped hat that you like. So I'll keep an eye out oh, for that. Thank you. I don't know what those are. <laughs> Railroad hats. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> so, you know, I had to do, sometimes you just got to shop. Right That's now. what I did for me lately because, you know, I need to be looking cute. Up on the, you know. Up on the airwaves. Up on the airwaves. Um, I donated to some bail funds. That's what I've done for me lately. I donated to Kevin Aviance's uh, lip sync fund last, the, the other yeah. night. Because he, we caught him on Instagram Live and I gave him a nice little tip. Because he de- fucking deserved it because he turned that show out. All y'all... If you, if Kevin does, is doing a live. If, Ke- if you're, first show, of all, if you're not following if you're Kevin, not following Kevin on Instagram, Instagram, you probably you're should. missing it. Um, Second of all, if you see him on live, he does like a weekly live show now. If on you Instagram. are into the Kiki and the carry, and if yeah. you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now, you would want, you would really want, you would really want to, to follow Kevin Aviance. It's something, it's a specific type of Kiki and carry. The, uh, if you deep, appreciate, but if you appreciate a, the Kiki Carey, the Kiki Carey of it all, of it all, then you will appreciate yeah. Kevin Aviance. Um, she channels. She doesn't lip sync. She channels. She channels. Um, I don't understand. Like I've never, I've never encountered it's like the words, another. It's like being the sound is actually coming out of his yes, mouth. Yes, uh, that know. can portray, and yeah, that's just that's even through the internet. Like that's not even if you'd seen it if seeing it in a person is even it's transcendent. More it's tra- yes, it's transcendent. Um, but yes, so yeah, Kevin Aviance and do Instagram, that for yourself. Obviously, if like, you're not doing that, yeah, obviously, obviously, obviously. Um, but I did have one more question for you before we end our <laughs> season two premiere. What is it? Oh wait, wait, what? Before I ask the last question, we need to fill them in. On the new, the new show, show. this turning purple spinoff. Oh, after turning hours. purple after hours. We, we are guys. To like guys, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be basic bitches and do what everybody else does when they start a podcast. We're starting a Patreon with an extra podcast <laughs> because why not? Because right? why not? Because you know what? I'm gonna be real. Uh, everyone's unemployed. Y'all ain't job, got shit like, to do. Nobody, nobody's got shit to do. It's but Friday. Also, you ain't got like, no job. I ain't got you no ain't job. Got shit to do. And uh, 
we ain't got no job. Yeah. I ain't got no job. And I very much doubt that I, that my job is coming back yeah. at all. So this is probably my job yeah. now. So, so that's st- why we're doing we, We're starting a Patreon. Yes, it's basic, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, and uh, we're starting a Patreon. Yeah. After Hours is the name of the show. We're going to be doing an extra hour of um, kind of like an after show for this podcast where we'll be talking about even more stuff that has to do with the subject that we're talking about um, that week and also just, you know, whatevs, totes whatevs. Um, Let me, I just set this up the other day, but I have hardly looked at it, so... Let me look it up. Okay. So I can tell the folks. Look where it up to go. so you can tell the children what we're going to do. So, also, as a part of the Patreon that we're setting up, um, you're going to get that podcast um, after hours. Um, and you're also going to get access, access to our entire catalog. We're going to zip all those songs together and you will be in. Gay heaven. So you'll have HQ, you'll have access to HQ versions of our entire catalog, and you'll have exclusive access, first access to anything new that we release. Yes, you will. And there's gonna, that's coming very soon. I'll be having, I'll have new stuff. Adam's releasing stuff. You're releasing stuff all the time. I'll have new stuff. I plan to be releasing more, more and more and more and more things. Um, So you'll get that shit first. You show will. So it's a, you know, so sign up for it. Support a bitch. So um, if you like what, if you're, if you like what you see. If you, if you like what you see and what, what you see, see is me. me. Okay. So obviously I should have known this. It's patreon.com slash guess. Turning purple. Yes. <laughs> patreon.com slash turning purple. It's as easy as that. Easy you can as get that. Access to all of our music for download, new music, advanced releases, and a weekly, I said weekly, extra hour of podcast fun. Podcast fun. Um, Do we have another hour in us? I think we do. Don't we always? I think we do. I think we always do. Well, we have... have We've talked for <laughs> almost an hour and a half today. Uh, that's true, and, and we weren't we're not even, even done. supposed to be doing that. So <laughs> we're trying to keep it to you know an hour and a half, but you know we run over a little bit sometimes here and there. Um, so please subscribe to the Patreon. Um, it's going to be it's going to be ten dollars a month for everything. There's just one level, so you know. Even if you don't want to listen to them, just give us 10 bucks a month for this podcast because you know what? Why not? We could use it. If you got it. If you got if it. If you are lucky enough. Hook us up. To have stable employment. Yeah. And, and if not. If not, the most, whatever. The, the, the most, you know, the thing that helps the most, tell a friend about our podcast. Yeah. Tell, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell spread a few the word. Friends, spread the word and tell them how much you love it. And we, you know, can and get we're more listeners. Greedy bottoms. Give us, give us love. Give us love. <laughs> Ratings. Please rate us and review us on iTunes. We we like don't even we totally forgot about this. We were listening to another podcast the other day. We're like, oh yeah, we're supposed to be doing these things for, you know, whatever. I mean, honestly, we just love doing this podcast for for us. But you know. We got to do what we got to do. Go to iTunes, 
go to Turning Purple on uh, Turning Purple on iTunes Podcasts, uh-huh. Apple Podcasts, and give us five stars and give us a nice little review. Yeah, please review and us and show us some love. Just say nice stuff. Yeah, say nice stuff and. Don't give us anything less than five stars because, you know, we're very sensitive. We're very sensitive. We're mentally unstable. (laughs) And that's weird. And I feel like that means that you're like a bad person. If you do that, <laughs> it's just like people giving thumbs down on videos. Like, what on is YouTube. the point of like, that? What is your deal? like? You don't have to leave one at all. What's your damage, Heather? Yeah. What is your damage, Heather? So yeah, leave us five stars. So yeah, Let's it's say nice up and running. Turningpurple.com/patreon.com/slash turning purple. Turning purple. Say it for America. Patreon.com slash turning purple. That sounds so much better when you say it. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Join in the the Kiki carry of it. Oh, oh you thought you're getting the Kiki carry of it all on regular Turning Purple? That's not the case anymore. If That's you want the, the Kiki carry of it, all, you're gonna have to go to Patreon and subscribe. Okay. But I do have one more question before we get out of here, Erica. Get out of here. Where are we going? Before we, before we, <laughs> are we going? To, are we going somewhere? Where are we no, going? Is no, it a not, surprise? Not, not physically moving. <laughs> Um, but, um, I did want to ask you, how's your head? Oh my gosh. Elvira, I'm sorry. Are you all right? Yeah, I think so. How's your head? I haven't had any complaints yet. Excuse me? Haven't had any complaints yet. Um, (laughs) how is my head? Girl, uh... Honestly, full of every emotion. Yeah. I'm like on an emotional roller coaster. But here's the thing about it. Emotional it's still good. It's like all good. Um, I, it's hard to explain. If you, were, y'all, you, you were not so happy with me earlier in the week. Yeah, but that didn't go on for nearly but, as long as it could have. As it could have. Only like a day and a half. That's good for me. It's true. Usually you'll spread it out over several many days. <laughs> and then after I ask you what's wrong for the 30,000th time, you'll finally say, okay, maybe we should talk about this. <laughs> maybe we should. I've been asking to talk about it the whole time. Um, but yeah, um, I can understand. I mean, you know, we all deal with things in different ways. Yes. And um, this is a... As if, as if coronavirus wasn't stressful enough, and you know, this just was just the <sighs> cherry on the shit Sunday. Yep, um, a shitty cherry. And on a like, shit what's going to happen next? That's the scary thing. It's just like it's probably going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. No, it is going to get worse. So you know, we're just trying to hold it, it is together, going to get worse, y'all. So it's just trying to hold up. it together and. Um, Kiki carry it on. Kiki carry it on. My head, though, I'm microdosing mushrooms. Just so everybody knows, I started a few weeks ago. Um, I've, I've mentioned it a few times. I think yeah. I mention it every time, every week. But you were saying but, that um, you just read that there's like, now they're looking, like the farm, the pharmacy industry is looking at mushrooms to be like the next big antidepressant. It, it is going to be. Yeah. Um, so they're doing, they're doing, the they're doing all kinds of, they're doing all kinds of, I've seen ads on, you love to watch television because you're 
a crazy person, um, actual television with commercials. And there's like, te- oh, there's I TV. I love real TV. It's so bizarre to it's me. so comforting. It's so weird. Oh, God. It has I the opposite it. effect on me. Anyway, there's been com- have you seen the commercials about the they're for drug trials? Yes. And they're not say but they're not saying they're not what saying it is. They're not saying anything. They don't say what it is. Like we have if you're a new depressed. rep for new treatments. Right. New what is it? New therapeutic treatments. They're gonna be getting them people high. They're gonna be getting them high on psilocybin. I mean I'm positive it's psilocybin. Anyway, I've been doing it. This is week three. Um I'm pretty much in where I had hoped it would take me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had said before that the best that I've ever felt in my life, the best days that I have that I can remember in my lifetime are the days after immediately following an intense mushroom trip. Mm -hmm. Um, The leftover, the the residuals are just the right amount, I guess. It is a nice hangover. To keep you... Uh, super blissed out. Yeah. Um, and that feeling is very close to where I'm at right now on a daily basis, mm-hmm. which is fucking great. Even though all of this shit's going on, generally uh, my anxieties were not within the realm of like my control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very easy for me to get, I don't know if it's like a little bit of OCD, fixated and spiral out. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't been happening. I've been feeling... Th- it's weird because I feel like I've been feeling more. I've been more emotional. I have a lot of feelings. I just have a lot of feelings. You don't even go here. <laughs> um, I've been feeling yeah. deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ego that I have surrounding those emotions is much less. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to just like feel my feelings and then let them go. Let it go. This whole shit has been pretty heavy. This all, all of the, in the past few days. Yeah. But it's just like, it's crazy shit. It's we're we're in, we're in things that have never happened. Nobody's feeling good about this. No one's feeling good about it. But I, um, I have not been depressed since I have not felt the, the depression that I feel on the base level anxiety and depression mm-hmm. that I feel on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I have not felt it right. at all since yeah. I have been taking daily doses of mushrooms. Yeah. Now I'm not, ab- I cannot in good conscience advocate this to anyone, but I can tell you that my results have been fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I've never felt this good in, I'm taking very, very small amount. I'm taking it's a tea. Tiny I'm bit. Taking you had to 90, buy even smaller spoons. I had to buy tiny milligram spoons, a uh, 30 milligram scoop. Um, and I'm taking 90 milligrams per day, which seems to be the sweet dose for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my results are phenomenal. I mean, I've I've never felt this good. Um, you've told me that you seem that I seem to be in better spirits than you ever seen me. Yeah. Correct? Mm-hmm. So I don't know yeah. what to say. I mean, it's uh it's definitely, you know, people take mushroom trips to, you know, guided mushroom trips, like to go inward, right? Psychedelics are, yeah. you know, some people do it to get fucked up, but a lot of people do it to get, to go inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has definitely been bringing up 
I've had the intention for a long time of doing some work on myself, right? And I've taken I'm taking the first steps on the road to like doing that work and trying to move forward in my life. Like with your face? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bitch. <laughs> I meant no. to do something about that. I meant to do something about that, but I just never got around to it. <laughs> Asshole. Um yeah. <laughs> but like uh, I took. I've taken like the the first steps on this road to like whatever the next chapter is going to be. Like trying to make myself better mm-hmm. and like live my life fuller. Yeah. Um, it's making those processes much more visceral. It's bringing up. A lo- it's making mm-hmm. it, it's making it easier. It's it's a kind of making. It's accelerating. Yeah. The process yeah. Um, of me getting into myself. Well, well, yeah. Yeah, because depression is is like, you know. Oh, I've got sniffles. Those, it's like this. Coronavirus. The swamp of darkness and uh, never-ending story. It'll just suck you right in. Sadness. The swamp of sadness. Yeah, that. That's what it is. Eternal and the next sadness. next thing you know. You lost our tax, and then you just got to walk by yourself <laughs> until you find the big turtle. <laughs> Thank you for that. So it's hard, obviously. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is it's hard. It's and, hard, um, but this um, is yeah. making it much easier for me. I've, I haven't have felt like this in a, a long really time. Good. And even with all the rest of the shit that's going on, I feel like I'm able to uh, observe my mental state a little more objectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like just experience the catharsis of emotion, even negative emotions, you know, bring in their wake Mm. some level of catharsis. If Mm. you let yourself feel those emotions fully. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've just been catharting all over the place. (laughs) What is that smell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I've been feeling pretty good lately. Good? Um, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of in my in-between, which usually is most, more time than not, you know, I'm in my in-between mania and depression phase. So that's why, that's why I chose, I choose not to like go on any drugs is because like, I do get to that, like, where I feel normal um, for most of the time. But I do have extremes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I mean, I get a lot done when I'm manic. So I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to lose that. <laughs> um, that's my most productive time of the year. So, you know, it's huh. just the depression. But the depression hasn't really hit me that hard in the last year. So that's good. Um, staying, staying with a, with a constant focus on work and having things to do and ways to make money has helped because that's, makes it really easy to like fall into depression when you just don't know what to do and don't have anything on your schedule and just kind of figuring out why you exist and, you know, um, yeah, so that, that <laughs> all that fun stuff that hasn't happened. Contemplating existence not not the be- not the best thing to do all the time. 
Um, so yeah, I've been holding it together <laughs> and getting shit done. And um, but you've been feeling. I've been feeling pretty good. Your head's I've been good. Feeling. I've been sleeping more. I started. Getting I've been up, sleeping much better. I've been started getting up at five. I think I woke up at six today. That's I've been amazing. Staying up later. You have. I've noticed that you've been able to stay up later. Yeah. So which I enjoy. Yeah. I like. I like watching things. I well. I, I just. I just After couldn't stop waking dinner. up at three and four o'clock in the because, morning for for so long. Yeah, and then finally, I like um, having that time together to watch things on TV. Well, I like falling asleep while we're having that time together. <laughs> it's been great um, because we're both doing shit. Yeah, um, all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, getting through it. Started what do we have coming? Yeah, starting season two. What do we got? Podcast. Yeah, excited. I'm excited about our new podcast. What do we? What do we got coming? What do we got coming up that we're working on? What are we working on this week? Uh, what? Oh, what's our goals? Yeah, we well, got to work on that video. We, uh, we do need to work on the video. Um, hopefully, my friend will send me the final mix that he's going to do. We'll see what ha- see what happens with that. We got to work on editing your video. We have to work on. Um, I still need to record that song I've been talking about. Um, <laughs> Things have been wild, and um, yeah, that's the thing. Like we didn't even do the podcast last week, and I feel like where did all the time go? Like I feel like we, what did we do? Well, I can't like, even remember. I, I, I don't know. know if I could point out one specific thing that I did this last two weeks. I bought a bike. You did buy a bike. I'm going to start cycling. I don't, I can't either. I mean, I don't know. Things like the days go it's, by. Days go by faster and faster. Faster and faster. And everything feels crazier go by and crazier. And still I wish that coronavirus was gone and Black Lives Matter. Yes. Yeah. Me um, too. It's, yeah. But we gotta. I think, I feel like the last few days have just been like, I don't know. I mean, you do stuff, but then you just feel like there's this constant. Stress and gloom over everything. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah, and I've had this overwhelming feeling, like of the, like that. I don't know. Doing anything but like panicking feels inappropriate. Does that make sense? Does anyone else feel that way? I feel like that. Like, I mean, I think like that having, panicking is having not any other the best solution. Well, like anything other than being hysterical feels like an underreaction. So I feel guilty. I don't feel that Does way. Does that make any sense? I think I think other people feel this way. Um, but our minds work very differently. I'm so not saying that I'm you like, shouldn't feel that way. I'm saying I don't feel that so way. So I feel guilty doing anything but being like but then like but like scrolling through my feed and being outraged. But I'm sorry, I'm not going to go out <laughs> I'm not going to go out and march in front in a huge crowd of people right now. I'm not going to do it. I don't feel comfortable with that. Because pandemic. Because pandemic. Sorry. Um, oh, Adam Joseph. I can't do it. I also, I don't know. Do you feel bad that you're not marching? I do. Well, I'm not saying that I wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's not like I don't care and I'm saying I don't want to march. I'm just saying the corona shit is on the rise in Arizona. We're, we're climbing the curb right I was now. looking at it today. There's a thousand cases announced New a thousand brand new cases announced yesterday, and that's people that got sick weeks ago. This is a daily thing. Yeah, they have it. They have a website yeah, I know. that shows each 
day. I'm like how many cases get diagnosed that, that day? And it was a thousand yesterday. It's not good. I don't know what the right thing is to do here. I'm conflicted. I'm I'm sorry, but I I haven't been going out for we haven't been going out for the last two months. So you know we're 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 weary to like go to the grocery store. So it takes a lot for me to get over my for us to go out and hang out in a crowded, un you know controlled environment. Nah, it's not going to happen right now. So sorry, we're doing what we can. We're doing this. We're trying to get other people. Yeah, we're doing to this. Participate and donate. Yeah. And I got to be better about that kind of stuff. I need to get about like, you know, social media. I, I don't know. I'm going to try to. We're doing stuff. We're doing stuff. I'm don't feel be guilty, Erica. <laughs> You're not the problem. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I, I, oh, I just, I just feel like nothing's enough. Like nothing that I could do. Would make me feel well. At least like you I feel was that doing way. Enough. At least you feel that way. That's a step up from <sighs> the way most people feel. I'm sure. All right. So, so that's how our heads are. I guess they're okay. There is, there is okay as they're going. There be. is okay as they're going to be right now. Um. Yeah. Now's your chance to follow us on Twitter. Turning on Twitter. Purple underscore. Turning purple Twitter. underscore. Erica at, at Erica Tour. At Erica Tour on Twitter and Instagram at. Adam Joseph Music on Twitter and Instagram and and patreon.com slash, slash turning, purple turning purple for even more turning purple, even a, a deeper purple experience. A deeper a deeper purple. Deeper purple. <laughs> yeah. Deeper purple. All right. Um is that it? Are we catch us now? on Tuesday nights on the living room on our tw- new Twitch channel, Twitch twitch.tv slash living room live. Living room live. Tuesday nights. Tuesday and, nights. Um, yeah. We appreciate you. Thank you Thank for you listening. Thank you for listening and um, be good to each other, all right? Be good to each other. Be safe. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.